everybody, welcome to Broken Shovel Podcast, homesteading for a sustainable future. Uh, today we will be talking about lawns, the American dream, question mark. I'm joined as always by friend and co-host... Eric. How you doing, Eric? And Oh, I'm uh, sorry, I'm Lucas. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you doing well, Eric? It's doing well. Out. It is a beautiful day out. I've already been out for a whole, like... 15 minutes so far trying to i have a shrub that i that grows right next to my my porch which has it's that one that has the uh pretty yellow leaves in the spring oh yes i know what you do it's like the first thing that blooms every spring around here. yes but it goes it grows so fast like hydrangea fast it can take over yeah yep so every year i'm have to trim it back because also right behind it and next to my porch is my oil tank fill-up spot. Uh-huh. So I have to make it so there's a path for the oil delivery guy to... Well, and it's, it's better to make sure that that whole thing isn't taking over your, your property as well. Yes. Uh, so today we're talking about lawns. Um, some people put bushes in them. Uh, yes. <laughs> if you are not listening to this on the day of release, to, this is coming out October 3rd, 2023, and that's where all of our statistics are anchored in this recording. Um a lawn. The definition of a lawn is a stretch of open grass covered land that is maintained at a short height with a lawnmower. Lawns are often found near a house or on an estate or in a park. They are commonly referred to as part of a garden. Um, I, uh, I have, I have structural opinions on that, but we're going to, before we start getting into our opinions, um, we're just going to run through a series of uh, just factoids, and Eric, if you want to tack some on uh, as well, and then we're going yep. to just kind of get through this, and, and all of these facts yeah. will be referenced later on. Uh, so, lawns were originally seen as a status symbol, and only the wealthy could afford to maintain them. Uh, the lawn mowers uh, in the United States uh, use about 1.2 billion gallons of gasoline annually, which is about 1% of the total gasoline consumed in the United States. Uh, commercial mowing uses the most fuel, accounting for about 35% of the total. Yeah, and uh, tacking on factoid, uh, lawn mowers use about 30 times, or pr- produce 30 ti- 32 times more co2 emissions than your average car right. they do not have as complicated um emission controls yes and i always you always see the guy that in the spring starts up his mower and has the billowing clouds of oily smoke <laughs> wonderful for the environment yes well if it's white smoke it's water in his tank Yes, but if it's blue, it's oil. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, Americans spend about $40 billion a year annually uh, on, on lawn care. Um, uh, but yep. a healthy lawn can increase a home's value by up to 20%. So, just while we're talking about value, I'm just going to just get a little anecdote here, and then we're going to get going on, on, on the rest of this, uh, Eric. Um, when I first moved in, a neighbor, you know, saw that I, there was a, a, about four acres that I wasn't mowing. It was treeing back, and we're even planting trees there. It's where all of our uh, black walnuts and um, even more American chestnuts are going. Nice. Um, and uh, he suggested, he was like, well, you got to cut these trees down. 
and, uh, and I was like, why? He's like, well, it's just, it ruins your property value. And uh, in <laughs> probably one of my most solid quippy moments ever, I said, well, that really depends on how you value trees. <laughs> yes. And I, I, I want to use that, that this moment to comment on one of the comments that was made on, a, on, on your post about the guy that said that, yeah, he has his lawn because he cares about his neighbors and his 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 neighbors and their property values, so he has a lawn. Right. Uh, yeah, that was that was interesting. That was. Um, oh yes, no, that was Rhiannon. That is uh, username Rhiannon underscore eight forty seven. She lives in an HOA. Yes. So, um, you know, that's. I don't really want to get into HOAs. Uh, no, uh, we want jo- we, we, John let's Oliver, avoid those because we will get angry and yeah. ranty. John and... Oliver actually did a great piece on HOAs in the United States and what's kind of going on with those. Uh, I highly recommend you look it up on YouTube. And for uh, our Reddit fans, uh, uh, what is it? The I can't say the word because we're PGA 13, but the FHOA subreddit uh Take a look oh. over there about just... <laughs> there's some pretty funny stuff, too. There is some funny stuff on there, but there's also a lot of horror stories about terrible HOAs and what they are doing to <laughs> communities and their internal communities and such. But moving on to more facts about lawns. Yeah, and, and we're going to talk mostly about the United States here. It isn't just the United States that has lawns. They are yep. popular in other parts of the world, Canada, uh, Europe, UK. Very, very much in Europe because uh, we adopted, I mean, America adopted a lot of European practices on lawns and lawn yes. care and then just refined it to what we have today, which really wasn't, wasn't the case prior to like World War II. Yeah, and uh, we'll be touching a little bit on World War II and uh, uh, what happened after that globally. Yep. Uh, yeah, so you want to get us off on the right foot here, Eric? Yeah, so we want to go to uh, some history of it and what brought about lawns in uh, America. Cause, so when the, fir- when, the, when the settlers first came over here, there, there weren't lawns. There was a lot of native grasses and the... Uh, Native Americans at the time were very much more about husbandry of the natural, natural, and less about having cattle, swine, chickens, and the like. Um, so when the settlers came over with their cows and pigs and such, uh, they found that the native grasses, wild rye, broom straw, marsh grass, while very abundant, was not nutritionally good for the animals right so they brought in natural grasses from europe bermuda grass your kentucky blue uh the clover is actually not a native it's from your clover came over from europe yeah uh and uh our european bumblebee uh favors european clover uh yep figure yep and then Going on until and it wasn't until about the 1800s that it really started becoming a more of a status symbol and for the wealthy to to have because um, it was uh, the kings and actually George Washington has, was created one of the first lawns in America. 
Well, and I wish I had mentioned, I had, I had gotten this written down so I had all of the names correct, but there is a Bill Bryson book called At Home, and in there, he, there's a section about lawns, and he talks about the deforestation of mm. uh, parts of rural England, uh, all these like rolling hills that you see that are so iconic now, uh, it is, um, that was all made by a mm-hmm. architect, uh, it was designed and uh, you know that's piles of dirt that they put grass in. Um, yep. So yeah. yeah uh, so yes, the American dream. <laughs> yep, the American dream, which really didn't come about. So while lawns were around up till World War Two, they were very much a wealthy item or something you saw in city parks and the like. Right. The Big, the middle okay. class didn't. Yeah, middle class didn't have them at that point. Then World War II happens, and post-World War II, you have two major factors that drove the lawn movement. Number one, you have low housing and a boom in in suburban houses being built. And the, uh, the Monsanto and DuPont had a massive surplus of nitrogen. Yes, <laughs> Which gets into my conspiracy of no, like it was they pushed to have lawns because they needed a use for all of this nitrogen that they had. Well, instead of conspiracy, let's use the word marketing. Marketing, um, yes, marketing. <laughs> I like that better. Uh, yeah, marketing was so heavy. The lawn care companies and other businesses uh, have spent a lot of money. The idea that uh, on the idea that a perfect lawn is essential for a happy and successful life, uh, they've created mm-hmm. the belief that a lawn is a status symbol and that it is important to have the greeniest. Greeniest, greenest, greenest, healthiest lawn on the block. Curb and healthy, yeah, and, he- and healthy def- for by suburban standards is no weeds, very little diversity, like only one kind of grass grows. Yep, and, and usually and a fescue, I think. A fescue. I mean, that's a, well, a lot, I know, like down in the in the south, that's where like Kentucky bluegrass is used right, a right. lot. Lot and I mean up here I can't I actually found what kind of grass is used up here commonly. But granted, my lawn is a very wild lawn. I don't have right. any single type. I have, I have a very diverse lawn growing already. Yeah, the places where I have uh, had to plant grass has been native uh, stuff. But yeah, um, so mine's all over the place. But we'll talk more about that a little later. Yeah. Um, going back to like so post World War Two, an interesting fact is uh, that I found is so um, they uh, with these companies promoting uh, the nitrogen use, uh, it was which became very 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 heavily used by the 1960s. Also identified in the 1960s was all the negative effects like the algae blooms and the. Uh, what is it, the bleaching and other effects of overuse of nitrogen causes, but they were mostly ignored at that point and were just barely uh, starting to have people pay attention to maybe the amount of nitrogen we use isn't so good. Well, and this is this is where the, this kind of feeds into your conspiracy. Um, so the clover became viewed as a weed. 
mm-hmm. and uh, so and so it was sort of removed from all of these lawns. Removed, you know, you were you were given poisons to kill it. Um, you were encouraged to remove clover. Uh, so and from start to finish, they started removing clover. Now yep. clover is nitrogen fixing. Mm-hmm. So when you start having those like patches on your lawn that make your lawn look not as good as your neighbors, guess what? You need nitrogen. You could have already had <clears throat> nitrogen if clover was in the mix, but alas, uh, it was con- it became a weed. And uh, uh, yep, a, a, a weed among other things that came. And of course, like so, actually, you know, dandelions are not mm-hmm. native. Dandelions well. came yep. over in the, in the seeds from Europe, yep. and they actually it was uh, around uh, Portsmouth, Portsmouth, the Boston area is where they first started seeing uh, stuff like like dandelions and other pet, uh, invasives coming in. And and it, you know while it is technically, and I think we've talked about this before on the show, dandelions are technically an invasive. They are not harmful in any way. No, they're not harmful uh, and actually very useful. There's a lot of uses for yep, from, cultivated dandelions. Yeah, from leaf to root. It is complete. Uh, awesome. Uh, dandelion wine gets brewed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I Actually, this week I, should, I need to harvest a whole bunch of dandelion root uh, for tea for my mother-in-law when she comes to visit this winter. Uh, so there's, there's countless uses for your weeds. Um, yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, but the cultural factors really contributed to the popularity of lawns more than yes. anything. It was a status symbol, yep. and that is sort the, of become ingrained in our society. Yeah, and the, the lower and middle, and this is very much post-World War II, the lower and middle class were, were sold the American dream of, hey, you yep. can have a lawn and your own personal get space. Get out of the cities. Get out of the cities. Get your own space, and you can be like the wealthy people that you've seen with their beautiful, big, gorgeous lawns. Yeah, and uh, do you want to run us through what happened in Japan after um, World War Two? Yeah, uh, I mean they they really pushed for uh, the both. Um, Deciduous forests being converted into uh, moss lawns. Yeah, and where they basically and they didn't cut down. And I say lawns like they don't cut down the trees. They just make sure they rake everything up really well, which allows the natural mosses to grow. And they just end up with these gorgeous green, lush spaces. And they've gotten very decorative. I mean, I would love to have a moss garden actually. Yeah. And I've got great moss at my house that all I have to do is like shave down my lawn to about two or two inches tall and I'm into just like this gorgeous thick loamy moss oh which is uh, so uh, so good at filtering mm-hmm. um, uh, pollutants yep. uh, so pollution uh, so lawns really became a massive source of pollution you mentioned a little yep. bit earlier Um because of the use of chemicals, over but and use over of chemi- but it's the use of chemicals, uh, lower CO two emissions, um, and like actually the number one pollutant bes- uh, behind the nitrogen, which if we're cons- we're calling that a nit- uh, a yeah yeah a you talk about bat. the phosphorus. No, I'm talking about gas spills. Or I'm sorry, phosphates. Yes, gas leaks. 
Ga- not just gas leaks, gas spills just from people that just either dump it carelessly filling up and and whatnot is actually like a very big problem and that just isn't it isn't talked about it isn't discussed yeah and they don't you know uh uh i came across a lot of very silly sort of uh propaganda where they were saying that lawns contribute um uh positives uh in in greenhouse gases that they absorb co2 and all of these other things and the fact is they just don't no, they don't. We, a tree is better. A shrub is better. Yes. Lawns are not great. Unless you have a good diverse lawn like right. what the two of us have of mm-hmm. large varieties of different kinds of grasses, clovers, uh, da- dandelions, and others that grow up. Yeah, so let's talk about our own properties here real quick uh yep. kind of because we are the same but different yeah and um and then i i want to we'll spend a few minutes talking about the no lawn movement and drop some tips on uh making that conversion yes. so you have um something closer to a traditional lawn than i yes. do yeah i have about an acre and a half that i do keep maintained and mowed but i also don't I have a large variety of different wildflowers, uh, grasses, and like, like I already said, I have clover, I have dandelions, I have uh, Johnny Jump Ups, and other just different varieties of plants growing. Like, I almost have a tapestry-type lawn, Le- or yeah, more of a tapestry-style lawn than a traditional single grass-type lawn. And actually, I'm going to be going through a. I'm going to be evolving my lawn and uh, taking, sending half of it back to nature. I'm going to put it. Okay. Uh, yeah, and we've touched upon this. I think even just last week, you're t- you're yep. going to let more milkweed. Uh, yeah, I'm actually going to be uh, hunting. I'm going to over the winter. I'm going to start coll- uh, ordering some heirloom milkweeds and such because I really want to help our butterfly populations. Yeah, and uh, when the milkweed dries in the autumn. Uh, it actually makes it an excellent basket weaving material. Yes, um, it does. And if you catch it early, uh, the the big those big bloom heads yeah. they make they uh, fry up really well. No kidding, I had no yep. idea. Awesome. Well, it's it's always nice to learn something, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So I have uh, ten times the amount of lawn as you. Um, well, space now. Yep. Uh, I've been here coming up on five years, and we have about four acres, which I consider to be behind their house, which is just to say it's across, it's it's not on the road side. And all I do at this point is carve paths into it, mm-hmm. and um, we've been letting it go. Uh, so I've got a pretty significant amount of uh, young pines coming in, um, which is kind of fun because. Uh, most of them weren't there, and a lot of them are getting like 8 to 10 feet tall right now. Yep. I'll begin clearing around those to encourage some more diversity next year. Yeah, because that, that'll be a great area for your, um, if you want to start growing, a mo- making a more moss-style area, that would well, be the great great spot to start. We are focusing more, I don't want to say like a traditional food forest, but mm. I want a foraging forest. So certain trees encourage different mushrooms. Uh, and yep. as we find them, 
we'll pick them up and we'll just throw them, you know, throw debt, you know, our picked mushrooms into those areas and kind of over the years, we'll start getting more harvesting. So uh, other things that we've planted over there is black walnut mm. and uh, American chestnut. And, you know, the American chestnut is part of our uh, efforts to help with that um, endangered tree. Uh, but uh, so, you know, that whole area, we're just kind of letting it go. It's going to yeah. be a place where we can forage. It's going to be a place where we can uh, relax amongst the mm. trees. There are some cleared circles that are going to just sort of be little knolls. Um, and uh, I hope maybe eventually to build a little lean-to up there because it's got a great view of the sunset. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and then I have a fenced-in area outside of my house, um, which is, I don't know, it's kind of an average lawn size, I think, like a front it's a, Yeah, it's a, suburb, it's a suburban lawn size. And in there is a picnic table and the grill and plenty of space for the dog and the cat to play with each other uh, without risk of them wandering off and then surrounding that is our not insignificant garden uh just outside of that and um we're building that stick fence uh so we will eventually be ripping out that smaller fence in area and expanding outward so the garden is the lawn um and then uh as far as mowing i don't really do a lot until early early autumn late summer uh, because we just let everything go except for the orchards and in those orchards we like to mow it nice and neat because well it looks really pretty <laughs> around the apple trees um, and it makes it a lot easier for harvest in the fall yeah. uh, so we really you know um, we don't have much of a traditional lawn uh, at all we have paths through the garden that are grass uh and the only lawn to speak of is that sort of interior fenced in zone yeah so uh hopefully i described that well yes <laughs> so but yeah we we have the benefit of space to really diversify and you know yeah. we've got two apple orchards now so it's kind of like i have to mow those yeah um, but yeah, like I like my plan for mine is to let half of the yard go. go. I'm also going to probably put a new fence up and kind of let my let my forest encroach on my lawn some more. Let the fern patches grow into it more and well, get and I, an, expa- an expanding all th- those areas. Yeah, and it's it's I you know I uh, I think. It, great i've got some wild grapes on the property but if you start thinking about putting grapes and stuff out there you're going to start seeing more critters around yep. and critters well I, I have a wild blackberry bush out there oh that's, that's right you do that, that's yeah. where my that's where the area where my massive blackberry bush is where i need to i need to pull up some of the other plants that are growing in around it i've got burdock down there which burdock's really good for them good for everything but it just it's such a pain to deal with because oh my god it gets... broke a shovel digging some out this year I use, I've bro- I've actually broken loppers. I've got some that have gotten to like this bit, oh, like, yeah. like inch and a half, like almost three inches thick uh, ones. And yeah, my loppers just kind of like, uh, uh-uh. uh. And yeah, that, I, I, but I let them get that big because they are good. They're good shade plants. They are good. They're just bi- they're big. They have uses if you if people want to harvest them for that. But they oh, also can take over if you aren't careful. Yeah, yeah, which is why we were taking out some roots. Um, yeah. But we were also using it for our compost tea. Um, 
Now, I, I do want to mention one thing over this five years, because um, the, the previous owner was obsessed with his lawn mm -hmm. and just mowed everything. And I asked him once about, well, you know, do did you ever prune these apple trees? And he was just like, oh, only the parts that made it hard for me to mow mm. and that kind of thing, you know. So, yeah. um, but over this, this nearly five-year season, we as we've let things change and grow, um, you know, there's more biodiversity, not only in the plants, but in the uh, animals that are around. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden, we've got a, a mating pair of kestrels that seem to be living on the property now that mm -hmm. haven't been here before because there's more opportunity for them to, to eat. Yep. Uh, it, you know, they can, um, we have a billion small birds now and uh, of course mice and rabbits and things like that yep. uh, all find shelter here but they also come out of that shelter and uh, now we've got this beautiful pair of birds uh, living yep. you know every morning I watch them yep I have, a, I have a I have a red tail a red tail hawk that lives near a ju he's a nice juvenile he's a gorgeous little guy awesome that I see him on a pole on a pole near nearby because like I have a lot of uh, I, I, I've talked about it the last week I've, I, I have my friends the skunks Yep. Which they've they've uh, they're still kind of around, but they don't have a food source anymore because I ran out of cat food to give them. Uh -oh. uh, and then so so the skunk and the possums have have technically moved on. Like they're still they're still in the area. Year. It's that time of year. They're for, they're forging. But uh, the other day I was right before the it, the cat food ran out. The the youngest of the skunks. The bag is probably not even a foot and a half from me, and the skunk comes out of his hiding spot. And like he's like within like I could have reached out and just given him a given him a pet, and he just kind of like goes into the bag of cat food and starts munching away. Just doesn't care that I'm right there. <laughs> so I have some rather um I have a rather tame juvenile skunk on my property, which I don't mind because yeah. biodiversity. I, exactly, I I like biodiversity. I like my critters. I like my forest critters. I say last night walking the dog, I heard the deer down eating my apples, which I'm like. Good for you guys. Yeah, just, just as long as they don't learn how to climb, you can share. Exactly, uh, exactly. Because they, I can clearly see, like even like they, they're standing up on their hind legs to get them, but they're yeah. definitely like, yep, yep. You guys have cleared out everything that you guys can reach. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, let's since we are very clearly both pro. Uh, no, uh, you know, for the no lawn movement or mm -hmm. rewilding, uh, which I yes. like that. I like that term, rewilding. Yes, um, I like it. Let's talk a little bit about that. Maybe if anybody's interested in it, kind of give mm -hmm. them a few tips, and uh, then we can talk about what we're talking about next week. And uh, yeah, we've, we've got a lot. We've got some really great uh, feedback and information from some of our listeners. We'll get to at the end as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so no lawn movement, also known as rewilding. It's basically what Eric and I have been talking about for the last few minutes here. Uh, it's a growing trend uh, where people are choosing to forego traditional lawns uh, and go figure. We're all broke, you know what? Yeah. Uh, and like lawns are expensive, mm -hmm. you know. The amount, uh, you know, I, I have necessary equipment for my homestead. None of it was cheap. You know, I've got a lawn tractor. I've got a, tr a traditional tractor. I also have a lot of handheld equipment, augers and things like that, that, you know, they consume fuel and they contribute. Yep. Uh, but, you know, that's also why I'm growing a forest to, you know, alleviate yeah. the guilt. Um, See, I'm starting to try to convert some of my, my equipment to electric. 
okay. my chainsaw's electric now. My trimmer is electric now. Um, so I'm trying to like reduce the amount of carbon guzzling equipment that I'm using. Like if my lawnmower breaks down and, and I can't get it fixed, which I'm pretty handy, can usually get these things fixed. Uh, I am not sure if I will buy another one. Or if I do, I will probably more likely upgrade to the the small lawn tractor that I can get, like a backhoe, a bucket, yeah. uh, mower, brush hog, all the different things kind of for. Like, like, you're talking about like the BX series of the Kubota, like what I have. Like no, I think even the smaller ones. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, like the the, ba- the the baby lawn. It's like a it's just like it's a beefed up lawn mower, but can actually right. take the bucket and the backhoe. And stuff okay, on. Yeah, I've seen a few uh, John Deere versions of that. Yes, but, I've seen yeah. the Kubota makes one too, which yep. is the one I've been I've been seeing around. I'm like, that would be perfect if my lawnmower ever breaks down. But that is still a thirty, forty thousand dollar piece right. of equipment. And, yeah, I mean, even just my little lawn tractor, which I use for my dump cart and um, you know for mowing the orchards and stuff, is was five grand, and yep. uh, you know it's not cheap. Um, so yeah, so maintaining a lawn can be expensive mm-hmm. and uh, take a lot of time. Uh, lawn mowers, trimmers, and other lawn care equipment, like we just said, very expensive. Fertilizers and pesticides, if you're that kind of monster, are also very expensive. Yes, um, but so, those are horrible for the environment. Don't use them. They're both no. so they are both carcinogen. Like so, the pesticides and the fertilizers have both been found to be carcinogens. And uh, endocrine disruptors, which I wish Lily was here to give me the, I should have looked up what exactly <laughs> endocrine disruptors is, but it just sounds bad. It does. You don't disturb my endocrines. Yes. <laughs> but so like, so now the, the benefits of the no lawn movement is that they're basically more sustainable. Uh, mm-hmm. They require less water, less fertilizer, no pesticides, none of that garbage. Um, yep. They're better for the environment, and uh, again, these are just things we've already been hitting upon, but we're wrapping it up. In, yeah. in, in that it, it they promote biodiversity. Wild, yeah, a habitat for wildlife, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, I can't wait to see what shows up in the next five years, uh, yep. because you know, I have a bear. I have my own bear. He just hangs out back there, um, and uh, yeah, I know, mean, I've just, got tons of finches, blue jays. Um, I've oh, in the, the blue past, jays have been migrating this week. Uh, yep, um, I've seen car. I have seen sorry, cardinals, the blue, the blue birds, blue birds. Yep, I've seen cardinals in the past. I haven't seen any in the past you few years. You need good years, water I, source for that. I know. I do. I do. I also need a good. Uh, I need to put some feeders up too. Yeah, but the I, I see. I see a lot of birds. I see my insect diversity is really high. I have so many different kinds of bees that I see around my property and not just bees but the beneficial wasps as well and yep. just all kinds of I see butterflies I see mice and voles voles are very popular on my lawn our moth population has gone up significantly this mine week. is dropped I'm trying to find I need to get work on the diversity of to get my moth population back up interestingly so I didn't my, see any lunars this year. My uh, my neighbor had one. Yeah. Um, I was over there, and it was just on the screen door. Um, oh gosh, what was I going to say? Doesn't matter. Um, the oh yeah, I've had less grasshoppers and crickets this year, though. 
Really? Yeah, I've. But I don't I've know had if that's some a larger. Because they like no, it when it's dry. Yeah, and like the June bugs weren't bad this year at all. Yeah, deer flies so, were terrible. Yeah, um, the, yeah, the, the yeah the black flies, the deer flies, the mosquitoes, the horse flies. They were they were all bad. It was but yeah, so wet, and they all it was laid so their wet. larva they like in moving it. water. Whereas yeah, grasshoppers, crickets, I'm guess June bugs all like more dry or drier right. conditions. Yeah, well, but well, the slugs, so a... the, the slugs. Oh, I don't get slugs. I do. I get big ones. Like, like the, the copper like, the... content of our soil mm-hmm. is so uh, high. <laughs> yep. See, I'm on the opposite hill of uh, of the of the mines. Oh, okay. So, yeah. like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, my hill is actually just like one of the last hills before the three our three local historic mines. Which did you see that article in the Herald from three weeks ago about our th- the three mines? No, I must have missed that one. No, it's a, yeah, because it has, a, they had talked about the Elizabeth Mine, the Eli Mine, and one other mine mm-hmm. that were all, it's our, our it was in our area and has very historic significance. Because in your area, what's what's fi- fixing to ramp up is the, um, the brownfield cleanup of yep. the Eli Mine. They're there now. They're there yep. now. Uh, the, um, yeah, because the, the, the article talked about the uh, historians because they're, because when they're cleaning up these sites, they have to be careful because these these sites are also considered um, historic markers. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think Laura Kraft wrote an article about the Eli Mine recently as well. I've toured the Eli Mine a few mm-hmm. times. It's pretty awesome. Yes, um, these old, the old copper mines in Vermont, who are the three, they're the they're cons- they're the three oldest mines in the country, actually. Yep, they were one of the first ones to become to get mined when uh, we came over. No lawns there, though. So um... yes, no lawns. Oh my God, yeah, no lawns. Obviously, it is. Oh, they can't so, grow anything there. But no, it's it's like walking on the surface of Mars. Yes. Um. So let's give a few tips. Um. About if you're interested in the low no lawn movement now resources. Mm-hmm. Uh. I like no lawns subreddit on, uh, you know, on Reddit. Yep. Um, um, uh, your as we always say, your local garden center is also going to yep. be a great resource. Talk to them about native grasses and what, how yep. to, native how grasses. To a, yep. These people are they know their stuff and mm-hmm. just ask. They're so they, they they're so happy to be an expert, and I'm so happy to yep. talk to an expert. And you're more and, likely to find a pro no lawn person at your local garden center than you are say at the garden home center depot. at home depot exactly yeah. exactly same thought process right yeah. there no they got to push the chemicals exactly uh, but yeah one of the first things you're going to want to do is assess your lawn like what are your goals how far are you willing to go you know eric and i are in different spaces mm-hmm. uh of of what we're willing to do and able yeah. to do um you know, are you looking to provide habitat for wildlife or just reduce money uh, spent on your lawn? Mm-hmm. Um, because you can do both at the same time. Yep. Uh, and then back to talking about your local garden centers, choosing the right plants. Um, you know, look at native plants because uh, that's, again, that's how you get to that biodiversity. Mm-hmm. And you start uh, offsetting CO2 emissions and, uh, uh, you know, it kind of moves us closer to actually not burning to death on this planet. Yeah, and, and I mean, I named three right at the, at the top of the episode of 
like actual like not just like native for the past 300 years but pre-settlers natives like wild wild rye broom straw and marsh grass are also great things to try to, to grow and the big thing is patience. Mm-hmm. Um, you really, you know, we're talking natives. These, these things take time. Uh, so you just have to be patient. Uh, there's yep. just no way around it. Um, and, and look up, like Eric has mentioned, moss lawns, tapestry lawns, uh, mm-hmm. clover lawns, and just natural lawns. Uh, we just let it go. We get these beautiful flowers every spring. Uh, like three acres of just wildflowers and it's it's just amazing um and worth yep. the patience because... so we should link at the uh the bottom of the episode that uh that cool guide post off of us uh, i Reddit. will yes because i that yesterday yeah today i don't remember yesterday i think it was i said it yesterday of yeah it showed it's a um it's a picture of uh the different levels of lawn care and what kind of diversity they bring if you have more than just grass. Yeah. Well, and um, so, yeah, so I, I think, you know, this is this is really, you know, our point, you know, we, we didn't yell once, but our point is, you know, uh, as always, you know, these changes start with you and mm-hmm. us and, and, you know, could, and it's going to save you money and time you know and that's time you can spend with you know loved ones hated ones whatever yes. and you know not working uh, yeah. which, and it's uh, good for the environment too we yeah. didn't rail, rail too hard on the phosphorus and uh the toxic algae blooms that are caused by the amount of phosphates and nitrogens yeah. that we are using um but that is those are very huge impacts on our environment right now um Lake Champlain is dealing with it really badly. Europe has it's so bad that it is it looks like moss on the top of some of these ponds in Europe. Yeah. Yeah, the largest lake in Ireland has like a 6-inch thick layer of sludge on top of it. But it's good for you, it's good for the environment. Just do it. Do it. Do it. Plant some now, trees, plant some I reached- shrubs. I reached out on TikTok this week uh, to sort of ask people how they felt about it. We actually got a, like a good diverse uh, reactions. Nobody like yelling either, too, which is great. No, it was um, really great. I, I like the variety, like the spectrum of uh, what we got in of people like from the the guy who says he has his lawn because he cares about his neighbors and his resale value to the guy who lives out in a forest and tried to not rake and allow things to just be and had a had a, a just about a swamp yeah well it, uh, so alan said you know decades of mowing and raking because he lived in the mid they lived in the midwest um they moved to the southwest and just realized what an absolute waste of time it is to have mm-hmm. a lawn <laughs> Which I love. So, Alan is getting some time back in their life. Um, probably a little warmer than you or I this summer, though. Yes. Um, Patty, uh, she said uh, that she, they are gradually shifting uh, their lawn from grass to native perennials because she wants to help the bees and our planet. Uh, which, nice. you know, that is bravo. Yes. Um, uh, now, Rhiannon 
we talked about earlier, manicured lawn in the front because of HOA and respect for neighbors and resale value, but natural woods and wildflowers in the back. So I get that. Yeah. It's 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 kind of the mullet of lawns, right? Yes, the exactly. Business in the front, front party, party in the back. In the back. Yes. So, <laughs> and, uh, yes, and I applaud that? that level of having that diversity. Having that like diversity of like, and I can mention the, the the front lawn's probably not even like a third of an acre, probably some something tiny, tiny thing on either side and of the walkway. You can still put like some sort of water feature out there for bees, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Agent Leaves, uh, who built a place in the woods, refused to rake the leaves, and after a long winter, ended up with mud everywhere. Raked the leaves, grasses came up and mowed. That makes sense. Yep. You know, that that makes perfect sense. Not only are you, you know, keeping native things growing that are just growing out of the grass, but, you know, you're not creating a mud pit and, uh, you know, slimy, slippery, stinky area when you're already yep. in a section of, of great biodiversity. And, and yep. pretty much all of these people, I, I absolutely applaud them. Um, you know, nobody said we were stu- you know i was stupid uh, because i th- i'm i'm pro uh, you know rewilding uh, which yep. so i really appreciate everybody on twitter thank you uh, thank you for that um next you said week, twitter not tiktok did i say twitter yeah you said twitter oh god i know i know like i should have said x x uh, yeah. God, yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, t- sorry. TikTok, Broken Shovel, at Broken Shovel Farm. You can find us there. Um, next week, Eric. Next week, we're going to we're, we're, we're gonna keep on this trend of uh, keeping things relatively local and... Uh, and again, thanks more, to, thanks to more Rosie upbeat. for sort of putting us in check. Uh, yeah, putting us but... in check because we, we really were bouncing <laughs> from natural disaster to natural disaster, and it was, uh, well, yeah, we were. It was a little we were, much. It was a little much. So um, we're we're gonna try to keep going with these uh, local. We're gonna talk about uh, autumn harvest, we, yeah. uh, the foliage, and uh, what we're doing to prep for winter. Yeah, what what it means to prep for winter as a homesteader. Uh, yep. So. Um, we will. Uh, we're gonna. We're gonna keep that going, and uh, I'll definitely be reaching out to folks on TikTok again, uh, kind of figure out how people do this around the country, maybe even around the world. So, yep. uh, really looking forward to that one. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add, Eric, before we head off? No. Uh, just try. Just let's get away from your traditional single single grass lawns good for you it's good for the planet yes uh, <laughs> yes all right thanks everybody uh if you want to shoot us an email broken shovel podcast 802 at gmail uh podcast is found everywhere please share it with people uh and um yeah i'm on tiktok at broken shovel farm i think that's it yeah um we love hearing from people um i got somebody reached out about a um native plant identifying app that they are developing yes that is that sounds really cool because yeah there needs to be and then i mean when i was at sc- when i was in school there was a one of somebody's senior projects was actually using a um an ai more of a machine learning than an ai mm-hmm. of uh identifying yeah not just identifying native plants but just a in general identifying plant 
hands. Like you could either take a picture and pop it in and it would try to help it or you could you could describe what type of leaf is it? What type I of use um, Google Lens all the time. Yes, and Google Lens is getting smarter and smarter because they really are pushing the AI behind that, which that's one of those areas where I'm like I'm not going to hate on AI cuz it is benefiting society. In, in certain way. ways, yeah. In certain ways, yeah. We've we've talked about this privately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I am uh, super excited about ne- this chat, and uh, next week we're talking foliage and preparing foliage. for winter on the homes. Yes, I'm actually doing something very fall foliagey this afternoon. I'm going apple picking. I am as well. As soon as I'm done here, I'm. Well, you're I'm, going to your orchard, probably. <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to a public orchard, which uh, yes. my favorite orchard. I have been picking there since I was knee high. Uh, Moore's Orchard in Pomfort, Vermont. For those of us that are local, highly recommend going there. They are open for pick your own. Go get some local apples. <laughs> get your local apples. Don't buy them from the grocery store, everybody. No. All right. Yes, I'm going to go to my orchard. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Later.